0: Make sure I get the clock set up. Well, good morning. How are you guys doing? It's good to be here. My name's Matthew Rojek, and as Pastor said with my wife Betty, we've been here about a year. Uh, I want to tell you guys we love you dearly and we are thrilled to be part of this church and this community. We sure appreciate fantastic pastors who hold our feet to the flame and who call it like it is, and they encourage us daily to live the life that Christ has called us to, and that's the narrow road. And I also want to just say how much I appreciate you guys welcoming Betty and I into your homes, into your lives, and we just love to be part of this community. Uh, as we are finishing up the series on Christology, uh, a couple of things. Next week we're going to be starting a new series, and that series is going to be on apologetics. So uh, you guys need to be praying about that, asking the Lord to prepare your hearts to hear some good sermons. So as we, uh, as we look at the... As we're recapping here, as I as I listen to the sermons and as I re-listen to the sermons online, I was looking for a common thread, and something that stood out to me very clearly was that every sermon had, for me, as its basis, the word hope. And today's sermon on the return of Christ, I believe, is the culmination of all those hopes. If you think of Jonathan Demer's um, sermon on the incarnation, think about that being the hope of Israel, the hope of mankind and think of it as the initiation of the master plan of God's plan of reconciliation and that hope was born in Christ. And you think of Pastor Leon's sermon. I hope you guys heard that. If not, I'd encourage you to go back. But he brought up an analogy of a singer and how that singer had a particular talent. And as they continue to go to greater and greater competitions, they realized that that talent really was substantially less than they had originally thought. And then Pastor brought it on how we compare ourselves to God Almighty, a holy God, and how far uh, we fall short of that. And the one thing that Pastor didn't say is, that's one little aspect. I mean, we're just talking about somebody's voice. I need saving to the uttermost that Hebrews 7.25 talks about. I need it from the top of my wicked head to the soles of my wicked feet. A myriad of points. I need saving in. And then when Pastor Matt, what a great job when he was talking about uh, the cross and how the cross went from being a symbol of utter despair to what do we do? We wear those. We've got them on our car. We've got them in our homes. Because what? That thing turned from utter despair to the greatest hope that mankind has seen. And as Pastor Mike came and shared about the resurrection... And when you think about it, think of the disciples and where they were at. They're walking with Christ. The Son of God is instructing them and teaching them. They're, you know, the, the blind are seeing. The deaf are hearing. The dead are raised. And they're cruising into Jerusalem. Christ is on a donkey. Hosannas. They're putting down the palm trees, branches. And man, the disciples are saying, man, we're in. The Savior of Jerusalem has come and we're going to be part of this thing. And then all of a sudden, Christ dies. He's crucified. And man, I'll tell you what, the disciples are saying, what just happened? And then the resurrection. Man, what greater hope could they have had to answer that question of what just happened? And then uh, David Crawford's message a couple of weeks ago and the great slide presentation that he had that showed God and man. And then all of a sudden, man, sin came in and blew out those three things. The prophet, priest, and king, and ruler. Man, sin interrupted those things. And what did David tell us? That man, we had to be circumvented. Go around that sin. Because the sin was whitewashed over as the priest would perform a sacrifice. It was a whitewash. They were still corrupt to the very core. It would be like buying one of these homes in Detroit. That all the wood is just rotten. And just putting a nice coat of paint on it. Hey, it looks good for a week. But underneath, it's rotten to the core. And then David had that little thing where all of a sudden, zik, sin bailed because Christ came. And he performed not only the priestly duties, the prophet duties, but now instead of wanting a king, we submitted to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. What great hope we have as Christ came. And then as we look at uh, Pastor Mike, um, and again, these are my notes. They might not make sense to you, but they click for my brain. So, um, But Pastor Mike's double discussion on the ascension and the Savior. And now think about this. When Jesus said to His disciples, it is expedient to you that I go away. I'm going to tell you what. John Jacobson comes over to my house and says, hey buddy, it's expedient. You get this electrical problem checked. I'm going to do it. John's got authority. Jesus said it's expedient to to you that I go away. Why? So that the Father can send the great Comforter, the Holy Spirit. And He's going to do a couple of things. He's going to remind you of all those things that I've been teaching you that you haven't understood. Because He's going to come live inside of you. I've been walking with you, but God is going to come live inside of you. And He's going to bring to your mind the things that I've been talking to you for three years. And He's going to bring revelation of those things. Man, what a great hope the disciples had that the Holy Spirit, God Himself, was going to come live in them and instruct them in the ways. I mean, that's phenomenal. And then to think of Christ as Savior. That we have an advocate who pleads our case moment by moment, hour by hour. He says, hey God, you know that knucklehead Rojack? Yeah, I did it again. But guess what? I'm here to plead His case. And and, uh, Pastor Leon had that quote, and I just remember the end of it from John Bunyan where it says, I will deal with Thee accordingly as I am pleased with Him. I am dealt with not on the basis of who I am, but I am dealt with on the basis of who Christ is because the Father was pleased to put the weight of sin and His wrath against that sin on Christ." And we have died with Christ. We have resurrected with Christ. And as God is pleased with Christ, accordingly so is how He deals with me. What greater hope could we possibly have than that? Today's message on the return of Christ is the culmination of all of those hopes. We don't hope for those things anymore. I don't hope that Ryan Lochte beats Michael Phelps in the 400 IM because he did all of those things that Christ was are, are done. We are secure in those things. But there's one last thing. The fulfillment of our hope. The culmination. The hope of hopes. And that's Christ's return for you and I. Whether our hope is in Christ and in Him alone. Whether it's in His return or whether it's in my death. I hope in Christ. So if you guys would, would you do me a favor and stand up? Let's read the Scripture. Pastor Leanne's got Bibles in case anybody needs a Bible. Thanks, Pastor. First Peter three thirteen through fifteen. Now is who who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Go ahead. You guys can be seated. Thanks. Again, our hope is in Christ and Him alone, whether in His return or in my death. Now I'm going to ask you guys to kind of put on a couple of shoulder pads. The one shoulder pad is going to be that Scripture. That all we're talking about today is how and are you preparing a defense to give to those that ask you the hope that is within us. You know, we went through all those initial things of Christology. There is a hope because Christ has fulfilled all those things. And that hope, you and I are stewards of. And we need to be able to make a proper defense of that. As Not only as people ask us, but as we just go knocking on doors and as we go sharing the gospel We need to have that defense prepared well. So that's one shoulder pad. The other shoulder pad is, I'm going to ask you a question. How much do you long for Christ's return? Do you guys pray for it? Do you yearn for it? Do you mourn for it? And I would ask you a question. Who longs for it? And why do they? And I would tell you that it's the obedient in Christ who longed for His return. And why is it that the obedient long for Christ? Because let's just say we are the obedient for sake of conversation. And we are taking up our cross daily. We are denying ourselves. We are choosing a narrower road that Christ calls us to. We are daily offering ourselves as a living sacrifice not a one-time deal, but we are daily offering up ourselves as a sacrifice. We're laying down our lives. We're getting slapped in the face offering the other cheek. Our car gets stolen, we offer them the car insurance or the <laughs> club bar or whatever. But the reality is, there are sufferings that the obedient experience. That is why we long for His return. If all that's before our eyes are the pleasures of the world, if that's all we're indulging in, why bother rooting for Christ's return? I'm having a good time here. But that's not what MacAbb is about. That's not what the gospel is about. And that's not what you guys are about. You guys are about taking on you know what would somebody grab Philippians three ten and read it, please, just stand up and read it when you get it. Philippians three ten. Anybody, please. Loud. We share in the fellowship of his sufferings. Frankly, that's the point, a large point of what believers are and what they do. And the reality is, that's why we can share hope. Because people look at the things that we are experiencing as, putting, as, as carrying our cross, as choosing a narrow road. And they're going to say, Jesus, Pete, you've had bud bugs for six months? How can you do that? Man, I got hope in Christ. Your car was stolen for the third time? How can you do that? I have hope in Christ. How can you have hope in Christ? We are preparing daily not only words, but our lives as a defense of the hope that is within us so that we can gently and respectfully speak clearly the Gospel to our neighbors. I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Gladiator. I've seen it probably a hundred times. So there's a part at the very beginning where uh, Maximus is going before battle, he's on his horse, and he's speaking to all of his generals. And he says something that is so profound to me. He says, what we do in this life echoes in eternity. And I would say to you, what we do in this life echoes in eternity. And I would ask you guys a question to ask yourselves daily. What echo are you hoping to hear? Now let's shoot to Matthew 25. Uh, Okay, 25. There's three parables in there. The parable of the virgins. The parable of the talents. And I forget the third one. So in the parable of the talents, one guy, you guys probably know this, one guy gets ten talents, one guy gets five talents, one guy gets one talent. The first two guys make a good investment. They gave their master back when he comes to gain his talents after being away for a while. They give him back not only the talents that he gave him, what additional talents? And what does he say? Well done. Well done, good and faithful steward, servant. Enter into my joy. What does the last guy do? He says, Well, man, I knew you were a hard task, master, so you know what? I just went and buried it. Here you go, here's your one back. What does he say? What does the master say to him? You knew we know. We know the hope. We know the hope of Christ. We know the hope of eternity. I want to exhort you guys to be prepared to make a defense daily of the hope that is within you that you might speak that clearly to your neighbors. We're going to discuss four categories for this longed-for return. The return is defined, inferred in both the New and Old Testament, so we'll see clearly from Scripture its proclamation. We will not discuss the various interpretations of his return, only at surety. For the doctrinal uh, dissertation on that, see Alvin. Uh, B, the how and when of his return is spoken of in the Holy Scriptures. Again, it's going to be a general overview, not a doctoral discourse. Finally, what the effect can and should be for us as caretakers of that hope. The points are not debatable, but a clear admonition for our practical application in the down and dirty of now. We're going to spend our majority of time there. Lastly, we're going to talk about His reward. And uh, if you guys will bear with me, there's quite a bit of Scripture. I've really pared it down as much as I could. So if you guys bear with me, let's pray. Father, we come before You in Jesus' name. And whether my words are articulate or whether I sound like a babbling fool, Your Word is preeminent. And our desire, Father God, is to glorify and honor You and Your Son in our lives that we might give a defense for the hope that was it, that is within us. Prepare us, Father God, as a church. Prepare us as your bride. Prepare us as your body. Equip us. Continue to fill us with the Holy Spirit, Father God, to give us wisdom and understanding as we make declaration and proclamation of your Gospel. In Jesus' name, Amen. Okay, Old Testament, Isaiah 26, 19. Your dead shall live, their bodies shall rise. You who dwell in the dust, awake and sing for joy. For your dew is the dew of light, and the earth will give birth to the dead and many of those who sleep in the, i'm sorry Daniel 12:2 and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt now as i've been praying for you guys and thinking through this thing one of my prayers is that we're going to take that and some to shame and everlasting contempt and i pray that that be a splinter in your heart And I pray that be a splinter that you choose not to remove so that we can take up the sufferings of Christ. So that we not put on blockers in front of our eyes so that we don't see the decadence, the immorality, the drugs, the prostitution, the filth, the poor choices of the community that we live in. But instead, that we drink that cup down to the very bottom so that we can offer a defense of the hope that is within us. Don't shield that stuff from your hearts, brothers and sisters in Christ. Let that splinter stay in. And I pray that you wiggle it around once in a while to remind you of the sufferings of not only Christ, but that you and I are to experience for the sake of our brethren. New Testament... Jesus' own words—he speaks quite a bit about it in Matthew 24. Thanks, Pastor. Speaks about it quite a bit in Matthew 24 and 25. Disciples say, "Hey, you're taking off. Like, man, what's going to be the sign of your you're your taking off? Well, there's going to be false. Pro- or you're coming back. There's going to be false prophets, persecutions, famines, gospel proclamation all over." 25 talks about the parables of the virgins, talents, sheep and goats separation. I mentioned talents. We're going to talk sheep and goats separation a little bit. Matthew 24:30. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Hallelujah. New Testament writers Acts three, nineteen through twenty-one, repent therefore, turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of me refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of His holy prophets long ago. Lastly, 1 Thessalonians 4, 14-16, For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with with Him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So again, I just wanted to verify you guys understand the clarity that Scripture has of the surety of the return of Christ, okay? Section done. Next section is how and when. It's going to be personal. And I want to tell you, a lot of this I got straight from Erickson's book on systematic theology, Okay. It's going to be personal. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to Myself that where I am you may be also. It's personal. Jesus will not send another. I'll guarantee you when Alex and Sarah were getting married and Sarah's father was leading her down, Alex didn't say, hey, uh, best man, go get her. I'm going to tell you what, he would have ran and picked her up and grabbed her. When Betty was walking down the aisle, I didn't send another. I wanted her. And I went myself for her. Jesus will not send another. Uh, physical Acts one eleven, and and uh, Jesus is going to come physically. Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Okay. Lastly, unexpected. First Thessalonians five one through two. Uh, Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. And I would propose to you that He's going to be in the thief in the night to unbelievers as well as to believers. I mean, we don't have some special knowledge of exactly when He's coming back. And it's very clear to us the purpose of that. First of all, a mocking world You know, oh yeah, you've been talking about Christ coming back, man, forever. I mean, you've been telling me this, telling me this, telling me this. And what does it say? Uh, I don't know if we've read this one yet, um, but there's a Scripture that says, and the nations will see Him coming and they will mourn. And why do you think they're going to mourn? Because they know the truth and they missed it. And guess what? It's too late at that point in time. Um, Who remembers David's sermon a couple weeks ago? And when he said... He gave us a definition of what faith is. Who remembers that? I know Russ said amen to it, but do you guys remember what he said the definition of faith was? Faith is action. All throughout the Scripture, time and time again. You think of James. Show me your faith without your works. I'll show you my faith by my works. For faith without works is dead. It's useless. It's not faith. It's not what we're discussing as our conviction of who Jesus Christ is. Okay, Thief in the Night aspect, the point of this whole thing is, is that we are to be working for Jesus. We're to be pounding the pavement for Jesus. Not because we desire salvation, but because we are saved. It is born out of heart of service, born out of heart of devotion, born out a heart of love for our Savior. You know, when you think about the goats and the sheep, and when Jesus separates them, how does He separate them? You guys didn't do this. You guys did do this. Again, just so we're clear, our salvation is not based on our works. But faith apart from works is useless. We are singularly... Oops. Okay. We are singularly responsible for being a prepared servant and all it entails. Personal growth as well as what I call community growth are the avenues of accomplishing that. Why do you think discipleship, both singularly as well as mat groups, are so fundamental? What did you talk about? About a month ago, Betty and I were sitting on our porch on a Saturday morning having a cup of coffee, 8 o'clock. Columbo Geis, one of our neighbors, about six doors down, he's a 58-year-old dude. He uh, comes out, waves to us, comes walking down, sits on the porch for half an hour. We're just yakking, talking about neighboring, talking about safety issues, just, just talking about all kinds of stuff. Betty pops the gospel up a little bit. Real brief intermission on the gospel. And, uh, you know, end the conversation. Columbo takes off. So Eric Russ and I are texting later on that day about something. And I said, hey, we had our neighbor over and had a great conversation. So Eric texts back to me, what did you talk about? Now, that's what the text said. But you know what Eric said? I don't trust you. Did you share the Gospel with him? Did you tell him the 12 points of the Gospel narrative? Did you tell him he needs to repent? Did you talk to him about the holiness of God? Did you talk to him about his sin? So he might have texted, what did you talk about? But you guys know very well that that's what he really wanted to text. He just didn't want to spend the time with his thumbs. The point of discipleship, the point of being at Macav, is we are accountable. We're accountable to our pastors we're account- accountable to our disciples and to our disciples. And that is something that's very unique to Macav. I hope you guys realize that. Betty and I have been around to a number of churches and the intensity of relationship, the closeness of it, for Eric to call me to the carpet on that stuff, does not happen in the most part in the American church. So I want to encourage you guys The aspect of discipleship both individually between Alvin and I and the aspect of discipleship in my MAC group, cumulative, as well as, as this body as we meet this morning. The cumulative, communicative aspect of that is really critical as we prepare to make a defense for the hope that is within you so that we can speak to our neighbors clearly with gentleness and respect. 1 Peter 5, 6-11. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to His eternal glory in Christ, Will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. to him be dominion forever and ever amen. And do I have that one up there? Okay, good yep. Okay, I skipped that one. Um, just four real brief points I want to go over to you. I want to go over with you. The Scriptures tell us here we're supposed to cast our cares, cast our anxiety on Christ Jesus on the Father, because he cares for us. So again, I'm going to question you guys. Are you casting your cares on Him? Or is the parable of the sower more your venue? Where the cares of the world are creeping up and they're eating you alive because the Word of God is having no effect on you. Romans 8.28 where it says that all things work together for the good for them that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. That is not a cliché. It's not a happy little saying. The reality is it I can come up to any one of you in the midst of any of your struggles, your sufferings, any of that, and I can say that scripture to you and know of a surety that that is truth. I didn't have to experience cancer to be able to tell somebody with cancer, hey, your suffering can still be for your good. It can provide glory and honor to the Father. I don't know that much about it, but I believe John Piper had cancer and I think he either had a sermon or a book. Don't waste your cancer. Don't waste your sufferings in the 48214. My brothers and sisters in Christ, let it work in you so that you can give a defense for the hope that, was, that is within you. Gently and respectfully to your neighbors. Sober-minded, be watchful. Anna was over on Saturday with Sandra, and we were talking. And I asked Anna, I said, like, you know, what are you doing with your apprenticeship and everything? And she starts talking to me about human trafficking. Man, you talk about sober-minded. I don't want anything to do with that because that just right now I'm getting sick to my stomach thinking about human trafficking. You, you put the images in your mind, rotate the splinter in your heart. Anna is being sober minded about this. Man, I would run from that if it wasn't for Christ. I would run from that. That's sorrow. That's grief. That's wickedness beyond my imagination. But that's being sober minded, recognizing the things that are in the 482 and 4 and embracing them as the sufferings of Christ that you and I might bring glory and honor to the Father and to His Son. Gave his life for you and I. Resist knowing others. Man, knowing others, it assures me of Christ to know that you guys suffer with me. It does. Knowing that others around the world, when um, Pastor Mike from Restore and Cleet were here the other couple weeks ago, and what did Mike say? He said, Yeah, I'm jealous. I'd like to do one of those. (laughs) Pastor Mike said that he digs knowing that, you know, a zip code or two away are others who are like-minded, who are suffering well. And to think, brothers and sisters, that we are not an isolated little Macab group. Man, there are churches in Detroit. There are people in Detroit. There are people in Michigan, United States, North America, all over the world that are suffering for Christ. We can resist the enemy knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by our brotherhood throughout. God will. And it says, And after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to His eternal glory, will Himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. I can tell you, I'm 54 years old. Betty and I have walked through suffering. Betty and I have walked through broken hearts. Betty and I have walked through fear and frustration and worry and confusion. But you know what? Wow! Man, that is way in the past. You know, Eric, you know Emma's going to be driving soon. She's going to be getting married soon. You're going to be a grandfather soon. Our sufferings are for a very short time. Especially compared to the majesty that we're going to enjoy as we're seated with Christ in the heavenly places. I exhort you, brothers and sisters, wiggle the splinter, embrace the sufferings of Christ and recognize that it's going to be a short time before He either comes or we are dead and hanging with Christ. Eh. Well, I'm going to read you a different one, guys. I'm sorry, I goofed up the slides somehow. If you guys would just listen... Don't look. But exhort this is Hebrews three thirteen through fourteen, but exhort one another every day as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm until the end. So when God desired to show this is seventeen. So, when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things, which it's impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement, told to fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of our soul, a hope that enters into the holiest. That enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus is gone as a forerunner on our behalf. Alvin is my discipler. And he speaks into my life for two reasons. He speaks into my life with the authority of the Scripture that any of you are welcome to do at any time. But Alvin speaks into my life with the authority of investment. He has poured into my life and I am much more willing to listen to Him because of the investment that He's put into my life. When He speaks, I listen. All I have is my perspective to see on things. And Alvin speaks to me his perspective. Hey Matt, did you think about this? And again, I want to be clear. The scripture alone is, is authoritative enough for you guys to be able to speak into my life. But guess what? Alvin's on a little bit higher wrong because he's into the investment that he's made in my life. Fled for refuge to the body of believers. There have been numerous times when I've come home and Betty sees the look on my face and she knows I've been beat up. And you know what she does? Give me a hug, babes. Puts her arms around me. Hugs me. Tells me she loves me. Strokes my head a couple times. i would be honest with you, that's why I hope it doesn't freak you guys out, but that's why I love hugging you guys. I mean, there's a community aspect of refuge that is born by the saints in this body. I love hugging you guys. I love the security that comes from that. I love the dynamics the feeling Eric Russell's embrace, saying, hey, brother, we're with you. We're shoulder to shoulder. We're arm in arm. We're in this thing together with you. Now, man, I'm really bummed. Three, thirteen, seventeen. Yeah, I know. I just wanted you guys to be able to... Here we go. Okay, now, you know, I, I was telling Betty that I don't want to always have to explain, I, I want the scriptures to be able to speak for themselves, but I, I want you guys to like, man, grab a hold of this, look at the red stuff 19. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a for- forerunner on our behalf. I mean, what better anchor could we have than Christ and Christ alone? We sang that song earlier in Christ and Christ alone. My hope is found. You know, the other Scripture and uh, further on, I think in Hebrews where it says, Therefore, come boldly before the throne of grace to find help in time of need and mercy. How can we as wicked sinners possibly become boldly before the throne of grace? Because Christ is our forerunner. And we have Him as a sure and steadfast anchor of our souls. That the curtain that was there, that we had to look around before when David talked, About having to go around sin, man, it's gone. I can see right into the Holy of Holies because Christ is my forerunner and has gone before me. I mean, come on. You guys need some Pentecostal hooting or something. Okay, the bottom section, Hebrews 12 1 3. Therefore, since we are. Now, one more thing. I want you guys to remember the shoulder pads. Are we longing for Christ and the other shoulder pad that I want you guys to be thinking about is how and why are we preparing to make a defense to those that ask of us of the hope that's within us? That we can gently, respectfully speak to them on that hope that is within us. That's what we're trying to discuss here. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely... Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Look into Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Him who endured from sinners such hostility against Himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. See that you do not refuse Him who is speaking, for if they did not escape when they refused Him who warned them on the earth, much less will we escape if we reject Him who warns from heaven." At that time His voice shook the earth, but now He has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. And and man, you guys please grab a hold of this with both hands. The phrase yet once more indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. Okay, let's go back to the top. Great cloud of witnesses. If you guys know the chapter 4, this chapter 11 in Hebrews. talks about all the people who are faithful before you and I. That's one aspect of laying aside our sin. But I would exhort you that another aspect of that, obviously, is our community and our neighbors. As we lay those sins behind us, as we repent of those sins, as we live a righteous life, they are going to see us living a holy life. That's another aspect of the cloud of witnesses. As well as this body. You guys are witnesses of whether or not I'm doing that. And then let's just skip to the end where it says, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. You guys recognize that everything is going to be shaken, including you and I, at some point or another. But the kingdom of God that is within us is unshakable. That's how we can give a defense for the hope of the gospel that is within us. It is unshakable. And if He shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in Him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but are of those who have faith and preserve their souls. You know, once again, I would just exhort you guys, wiggle the splinter, embrace the sufferings in the community that we're in, knowing that you have a better possession. And that possession is Christ and Christ alone. That is an eternal possession The kingdom of God that's within us that cannot be shaken. I see you guys giving or being joyful in the plundering of your goods, knowing that, man, those are going to burn, those are going to get shook loose, anyways. But we have an unshakable inheritance within us, and that's the kingdom of God, as well as eternal. Lastly, our reward. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now listen to this, guys. These adjectives blow my mind to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The inheritance that you and I have inherited is Christ. It's imperishable, it's unfading, it's undefiled, and it's kept in heaven by the Father for the time when He's going to reveal Christ who's either going to come back and get us or if we're dead, we're going to raise with Christ in Him. I just exhort you brothers and sisters to rejoice in your sufferings, to embrace them, to recognize that they are but a short stay on this life. And I ain't kidding when I say Emma's going to be driving soon. Betty and I have already like gone through that whole road and we're uh, not at the end, but you guys know what I mean. So uh, let's just wrap this up. I'm going to pray for you guys. Um, today is uh, not only communion, um, but it's also brunch. And Eric had asked me to mention to you guys earlier that uh, Waldorf is having like an open house. So after, we're going to do tithe uh, as soon as that's done, if you guys would bail downstairs pretty quick, if there's going to be conversations, I'd ask that you guys go down there, have communion, be downstairs, and then you can have fellowship and uh, brunch. So uh, if the guys have the tithe, tithe baskets, we're going to take tithes and offerings. Sorry, guys, I mean to spring it on you. So praise the Lord. If you guys are here for the first time, we would ask that you just keep your wallets to your sides. If you're a believer and you recognize that part of worshiping God comes from giving of your pocketbooks, and man, do so freely, we would ask that you not do it under compulsion. We don't need your money. God doesn't need your money. But we joyfully ask that if you do, that you give joyfully. So let me pray for the offering. Father, You have just been gracious to us. We want to recognize that. We want to be thankful. We want to be grateful. We want to honor You. We want to honor Your Son with every aspect of our lives. With our tongues. With our faith and actions. With our pocketbooks. With submitted and humble hearts. So Lord, I just ask that You would encourage us to give freely, Father God, as You have so freely given us who were Your enemies, who You brought to be Your sons and daughters. In Jesus' name, amen.